Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. Thessalonians chapter number two, and I want us to look at verse number seven. We're going to go through verse number 12. Uh, These verses will look a little familiar because we went through verse number nine last week, but we're going to kind of overlap this morning and uh, revisit those verses um, again this week. Verse number seven, the Bible says this, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. I want to preach on this subject this morning, a disciple-making community. A disciple-making community. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. God, we love you. We're so thankful for the singing that we've been able to participate in today. God, just wonderful truth that we have sang praises of this morning. Truly, without the blood of Jesus Christ, we know that there is no remission for sin. We're thankful for the blood of Jesus. God, we're thankful for the goodness of God in our life. Yes, we go through trials. Yes, we go through uncertain days and we go through things that we don't understand, but we know that according to scripture, that you are always good. God, we're thankful for that. Lord, I pray that as we get into your word this morning, that you would help us to examine our own church community today. To see if we are the type of church who is just consuming, or if we are the type of church member that is contributing. God, are we helping the kingdom of God are we, are we working in the kingdom of God? Are we working, Father, to see disciples being made here at Fellowship Baptist Church? God, would you be with me this morning? I need you. I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Give me the words that you would have me to say. Because we've all come here today to hear from your word, to grow in your word. Father, I pray that you'll convict us where we need that conviction and encourage us where we need that encouragement so that, Father, we would leave today different than when we came in this morning. We love you, Father, and we're so thankful for you, and it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Clearly, we find in chapter number one, Paul speaks of a church that is a disciple-making community. He speaks of their work of faith and their labor of love, their hope in Christ Jesus. In verse number six of chapter number one, he says that they became followers of the apostles, and of the Lord. So what has happened here in the church at Thessalonica? What has happened is Paul had received the gospel in power. He received it in power, and he strived to live an authentic gospel-centered life. 
And in doing that through suffering and with sincerity that was driven by love, Paul then gives the Thessalonian church, the Thessalonians, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Thessalonians then take the gospel and they receive it in power. But then the Bible says that not only did they receive it in in power, but Paul and the other disciples began to teach them, disciple them in the short time that they were there. And in verse number seven, the Bible says that now they have become the examples for others to know. They were now sounding forth the gospel. They were spreading the gospel. They were making disciples themselves. That is the the definition of disciple making, of discipleship. In any church, including ours, that is not discipling, who is not winning the lost, who is not uh, uh, taking believers and helping other believers to be more like Christ, then you know what, church, we've missed the very reason why we exist as a church. We've missed it. In chapter number two, and we spoke of last week, Paul reminds the church of how he and others then ministered to them. And in reminding them, he shows them and us what an authentic gospel-centered ministry looks like, like we talked about last week. It endures suffering. It enjoys freedom in Jesus Christ. It's sincere and it is driven by love. Let me say this, when we strive to be authentic in ministering the gospel here at Fellowship Baptist Church, you know what happens? A disciple-making community is established. Amen? When we strive to live an authentic gospel ministry, like we talked about last week, what happens is, is a disciple-making community is then established. Paul led an authentic gospel-centered ministry so that they might, verse number 12, like we just read, might also walk worthy of God in Christ Jesus. That was the purpose behind it. You see, Paul and Silas and, and others, they led by their example. And in doing so, they show us what a disciple-making community looks like as we minister to one another. You understand that we should all desire to lead in cultivating a disciple-making community here? Not just pastors, not just deacons. We should all desire to lead in cultivating a disciple-making community. You see, what does a disciple-making community look like? And I think here Paul just lays it out for us beautifully. He paints a, a wonderful picture. He shows us a wonderful example of what a disciple-making community looks like. Number one, we see that, first of all, it is gentle and affectionate. A disciple-making community is gentle and it is affectionate. Look at verse number seven. The Bible says this, but we were gentle among you even as a nurse cherisheth her children, so being affectionately desirous of you. Paul says, listen, church, you remember how we loved you. We rem- you remember how we came to you. We came to you in a gentle, loving, compassionate way. He says, as a nurse cherisheth her children. Paul's love for them was, was made patient Because what the Bible says, because charity or love suffers long and is kind. He came with love and because of that, he was patient in love. Paul also nourished them. 
And 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, it can, it can also be read like this, even as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. You see, what, what does a nursing mother do? A nursing mother imparts her own life to the child. She imparts her own life to the child. And that is exactly what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2, 8. He said here in verse number, verse number eight, that we imparted unto you. We were affectionately desirous of you that we were willing to have imparted unto you. You see, you cannot be a nursing mother and turn your baby over to someone else, right? You can't be a, a nursing mother and turn your baby over to someone else. The baby must be in your arms next to your heart. The nursing mother eats the food and transforms it into milk for the baby. The mature Christian feeds on the word of God and then shares its nourishment with other believers so that they can grow. A gentle and affectionate love. We see, we, we, we honestly see just the gospel transformation in Paul's life, don't we? Right here. He proves it right here. Paul was a monster before he came to know Jesus Christ as his, as his personal savior. He persecuted the church. He threw believers like you and I into prison. He had them killed. And we find here, Paul, once a monster, is now a, a, a gentle, loving, spiritual teddy bear. The transformation of the, of the gospel in his life. Yes, Paul was stern, and we'll find here in just a moment how he exhorts and how he charges the believers, but he did it in such a gentle, loving way. Let me say that church here at Fellowship Baptist Church, let it be said that we are a gentle and affectionate church where we love each other. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 16, hereby perceive we the love of God. When we look at the love of God through his son, Jesus Christ, because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I take that verse seriously and I hope you do as well. As we perceive the love of God, as we have seen how Jesus gave his life for us, we should be willing to lay our lives down for one another. Oh, I'm, I'm willing to lay my life down for Pastor Don, but, but, not, so, but not so-and-so. I'm willing to, to lay my life down for so-and-so, but not this other. Listen, we are to be willing to, to love each and every one, willing to lay our lives down for each other. The Bible says that Jesus said, he said, I am meek and lowly in heart. That's how Jesus lived. Meek and lowly, gentle and, and loving in heart. Let me say this, church. Growing in our understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Growing in our understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ is necessary to cultivating a disciple-making community. Did you hear that? It, it's necessary. Un growing in our understanding, knowing and our, our uh, growing in our wisdom and our knowledge of what Jesus Christ has done for us is necessary in order for us to cultivate a disciple-making community. We must have a heart of love for each other. We must be patient with each other. We must make sacrifices for one another. That's a disciple-making community. Listen, church, I I'm thankful for the love that I have here. With, with, with brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm thankful that we, we, can, we can get together, we can laugh, we can have uh, great times together, but I, I'm thankful for that spiritual love that we get 
how we can pray for one another, how we can encourage one another, let, let that, how we can sacrifice for one another. We must have a heart of love for each other if we're going to have and develop a disciple-making community. But not only that, number two, we find that a disciple-making community is made up of contributors, not consumers. A disciple-making community is made up of contributors and not consumers. Look at verse number eight. The Bible says this. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, verse number nine, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Paul said, listen, we wanted, when we came to you, we wanted to come to give and not receive. We wanted to come to contribute and not just consume. He says, when we came to you, we did not want to be chargeable. In other words, he's saying, I wanted to give more than I take. I wanted to give more than I take. I want to contribute, not consume. And so much so that he was willing to labor, the Bible says, night and day for the people of Thessalonica. Here's the sad thing. According to Pew Research, they go around to churches, different churches all throughout the country, and they take these polls. According to Pew Research, three in 10, listen to this, three in 10 active adult members actually contribute. 30%. 30% of the members, and I thought that number was actually lower than that, but according to, to Pew Research, three in 10 adult members actually contribute to the ministry. Why is that? Because we have become a consumer-driven church. It's all about what I can get, not about what I can get. And we will not have a disciple-making community here at Fellowship Baptist Church if we are made up of a bunch of consumers and no contributors. It won't happen. We will not see it. What's the difference between the two? Uh, this, uh, a man by the name of Robbie, Robbie Gallaty, he, he speaks a lot about discipleship. He, he says the difference between consumers and spectators. I want you to listen to these. Consumers are spectators but contributors are participants. Amen? Too often we have too many Christians who just want to, they want to spectate. Oh, I, I'm, I love coming into church and listen, sitting down, listening, nice, cool air conditioning, sing songs and listen to some preaching, but I don't want to participate. I, I just want to be a spectator. He says that consumers see themselves as cisterns to store truth. Contributors see themselves as channels to bestow blessing. He says a, a consumer criticizes everything that doesn't line up with his or her preferences. A contributor appreciates what God is doing in the church. Listen to this. Listen, when we let things that aren't the main thing, like making disciples, divide us, it reveals exactly what we think about the body of Christ. And that is that it exists to cater to our own personal preferences. 
let me say this. When believers are not investing in others and when they're not being invested into, you know what that does? That gives them plenty of time to criticize. What is it? Idle hands? Idle hands is the devil's workshop, right? When we, when we aren't investing and we're, we're not allowing people to invest in us, we sit back and we have plenty of time and opportunity to begin to criticize. Contributors appreciate what God is doing. He also says a consumer comes to sit and get. A contributor looks to go and serve. A consumer only takes in for themselves. A contributor pours out to others. Listen, church, biblically, church is not a service where we receive a cons- as consumers. But rather, it is a community we commit to selflessly give our lives to. Listen, church is not a production that we go to as spectators. It is gathering a gathering of God's people in which we are all vital participants. You know what scripture gives? The, they, they call it, scripture calls the church several different things. I want to give you three things. They call it the, the, the scripture calls the church the body, the body of Christ, the family, the family of God, and the flock, right? All three of those. And you understand if you think about all three of those that, that the Bible gives terms an image of what the, 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 the church looks like, none of those things can function properly without full participation from every member, right? My body won't function properly if my leg's not working. Our families, they don't function properly when someone says, hey, I don't really want to participate in this. The flock, if they're not together and they're not following the shepherd together and encouraging one another to stay together and they wander outside, that's when they're destroyed. They don't function properly. We've started treating the church like it is a place you go as a believer, not a people you advance the kingdom of God with. That's what church is. We go instead of advancing the kingdom of God with each other. Church, we, we have got to stop making excuses of why we don't contribute to the church. Time is not an excuse. Health is not an excuse. Listen, being an introvert is not an excuse. Contribute to the things of God. Contribute to the church because a, a disciple-making community is not Uh, understand it is not made up of consumers. It is made up of contributors. Number three, we see that a disciple-making community is not hypocritical. A disciple-making community is not hypocritical. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says this, ye are witnesses and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably We behaved ourselves among you that believe. Paul is saying your growth happened because of our example, not just our declaration. He says before God, before you, the church, and before the lost world, we were real. He says they were holily, which means devout 
in a God-pleasing way. Justly means upright in accordance to moral or social standards and unblameably, which means free of guilt. That is how they lived. And they had to live that way in order to develop a disciple-making community. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 12, for our rejoicing is this, this is Paul, the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. He says, listen, we have lived a, a, a life that was striving to be like Christ for the world, but also, and more importantly, for you as the church. In Matthew chapter number seven, Jesus speaks of hypocrisy within the church. He says in, in Matthew chapter seven, verse number three, he says, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye and behold a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. You see, with these profound words of Jesus, he causes his listeners then in those days and then today to carefully examine your own life. Are we going about accusing others of minor shortcomings when in fact we ourselves are ignoring our own behavior? Listen, if so, we are, the Bible says, hypocrites. Once our hypocrisy is removed, then we are able and are in a position to help others. You see, hypocrisy hinders disciple-making. Hypocrisy hinders disciple-making. There's a commentator who said this on hypocrisy. He said this, Unfortunately, one obstacle to the acceptance of Christianity that is often raised is provided by Christians themselves. Phrased in many ways, the core of the objection is, if Christianity is true, why are, these why are there hypocrites in the church? In other words, if Christianity is really exposed, supposed to change people, then why do some who profess to believe in Jesus set bad examples? You see, a disciple-making community must live their lives with God, with others, believers, and with the lost world in mind. With God, with other believers, and with the lost world in mind. As we study God's word, listen, may we live according to its words in a God-pleasing way. Amen? As we study God's word, may we live according to its words in a God-pleasing way. May we, within our community of believers, live upright, justly among each other. And may we be the type of example to the lost world that merits no reason to be blamed or deemed hypocrisy so that we might continue to make disciples. How can we make disciples without living according to his word? How can we encourage each other to be like Jesus when we, have a hip, when we live a hypocritical life? How can we reach a lost person with the gospel when they see no change in us? You understand, church, when it comes to a disciple-making community, it's not hypocritical. It's not a hypocritical place. And that's why I think these core values are so important and that we have here at this church to not live a hypocritical life. Because if you put Jesus first, you're going to live a God-pleasing life. If you put Jesus first, and if you truly have, if people truly matter to you, the people around you 
and you desire to really serve one another together, you know what's going to happen? You're going to live uprightly amongst them. You're going to live justly. And if you're mission-focused as a church, and if we're mission-focused as a church, then understand we are going to live a blameless life where people can't look at us and say, hey, well, I'm not going to, 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 to be a Christian. I'm not going to follow Christ. If, if I'm supposed to change, then they haven't changed being mission-focused. Listen, a disciple-making community is not hypocritical. And then lastly, a disciple-making community is where believers encourage believers to make disciples. It is where believers encourage believers to make disciples. Look at verse number 11. The Bible says this, as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children. He says, listen, you know how we came to you. We came encouraging you, exhorting you, charging or urging every single one of you as a a father does his children. For what? That ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. That phrase there, who hath called you. Who hath called, listen, it's very interesting. It is in the present, it is a, a present active verb. That, that verb is, is the Greek word kaleo, which means to authoritatively communicate a demand for the presence or participation of. God is saying, listen, you are called. You are, we are, we are, we are encouraging you. We are pushing you to live and walk worthy of God who hath called you, who hath commanded you to participate unto his kingdom and glory. To participate in his kingdom. What is that? What is his kingdom work? Paul says he has called you all. Verse number 11, every single one of you to participate in his kingdom work. That kingdom work is to make disciples and his glory, participating in bringing Jesus Christ the glory that he deserves. Paul is saying, when we came to you, we encouraged you. We were, we were encouraging you believers to make disciples because that is your call of God to participate in his kingdom work. That's your call. Romans 15, 14 says, and this is Paul just sharing how, how he went to these churches. He said, and I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. He says, I want you to admonish each other. Second Timothy 2, 2, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And Galatians 4, 19, he said, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Paul knew nothing about travailing in birth, did he? There's no way he knew anything about it, but he knew that it was painful. He knew that it took work. And he said, I travail in birth again unto Christ until Christ be formed in you. He had to desire to continue to encourage them to be more like Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18, this is Jesus. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. 
and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You might be sitting here today and say, well, pastor, the reason why I haven't been contributing is because I'm just waiting for my call of God. I'm just waiting for my purpose. I need to know my purpose. I need to know my call of God. And and Paul says right here, here is the call of God upon your life. As a follower of Jesus Christ, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are called to kingdom work. You are called to make disciples. You are called to be charging one another to live a life that will bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And let me just say and encourage you as a church family, Every single one of us in here today are called to that kingdom work. There is no one in here, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, that is exempt of that calling. And church, it is time that we start taking it seriously. That we start taking, making disciples seriously here at Fellowship Baptist Church. Because it is your call. It is your call. It is my call to encourage each other to make disciples. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my whole life here on this earth without leading anyone to Christ. Can you imagine that? Without leading anyone to Christ. Living my whole life here on this earth without, without pointing them to Christ and training individuals to, to know Christ more and to, to also go and teach others what they have learned. That is our responsibility. That is our call. And to, to have a disciple-making community, which I desire here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I, I pray that you desire the same thing. We must be encouraging other believers to make disciples. Make disciples. Here's the thing, church. Disciple-making requires intention. Disciple-making requires intention. And if we're going to see a disciple-making community here at Fellowship Baptist Church, we must be intentional about it. Not just the pastors, not just the deacons, not just those that are leading something. Each and every one of us, each and every one of us are to be intentional about it. Church, we must be intentional when it comes to our gentle and affectionate love toward one another. We must be intentional when it comes, uh, when it, when it comes to uh, being intentional about getting involved, being a, a contributor, not just a consumer. Let's stop just sitting back and taking everything in and let's start giving. I'm not just talking financially. Yes, we give financially, but giving of our time, giving of our talents, giving of our love, giving of our spiritual encouragement to one another. Listen, it's one thing for Pastor Josh to come up here uh, every once, once, in, uh, once every other week and say, hey, let's, let's strive to bring someone here. That's one thing for him to do it. But why aren't we all doing that for one another? Why aren't we all encouraging to bring one to Jesus Christ. That's our call. We must be intentional about contributing, not just consuming. And it's going to take a travailing labor, but it is worth it. 
And we must be intentional about yielding to the Holy Spirit daily in order to be the right type of example to develop a disciple-making community. And we must be intentional about encouraging and exhorting each other to follow the call of God to continue his kingdom work of making disciples. Church, are you with me on this? Do you want a disciple-making community? Let's be intentional about these things. Let's jump in. Listen, there's no greater joy than being involved with the things of God. There's no greater joy. Does it have its ups and downs? And is it like a roller coaster sometimes? Yes, but roller coasters are fun for most of us. Church, jump in and be a participant. Jump in and encourage one another to continue the kingdom work of Jesus Christ here on this earth, making disciples. And who knows, maybe next year from now, we can all have our one sitting next to us, except for me. Maybe they can come stand up here. Maybe next year at this time, all of us can have that one sitting next to us that we had the privilege of discipling. And then they can then disciple others. That is our call, church. A disciple-making community. I desire that for Fellowship Baptist Church, and I pray that's your heart desire as well, and that we would strive and that we'd be intentional with these things so that we can cultivate a disciple-making community right here at Fellowship Baptist Church. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you stand to your feet? Every head bowed and every eye closed. The Lord has spoken to your heart. Church, would you talk to him? We all need to get on board when it comes to this. When it comes to this thing of a disciple-making community. Let's be intentional. Let's be intentional about these things that that Paul just lays out a wonderful example of. Let's be intentional about our, our gentle love and affection toward one another. Let's be intentional about contributing, not just consuming, not just sitting back and taking in and never giving out. Let us be intentional about not being hypocritical in our lifestyle. Let's be intentional about encouraging one another to make disciples. Let's see God do a, a marvelous work here at Fellowship Baptist Church. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information, check out fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.